This is Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about the environment and you. Your impact on the environment and the impact the environment has on you. Thank you, Papa Bayomi, for coming on the program. It is always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you and good morning and good morning to your listeners. Now, we're talking about the environment and a lot of people say, you know, why bother? And they, they're really not interested in it. But I just wonder if you could just talk us through why is the environment important? We have, um, the June 5th was the World Environment Day. A lot of people are jumping up and down, or should I say a few people are jumping up and down, saying, oh, this is about the environment, that's about the envir- environment. But the majority of the world is just looking at them and thinking, you know, these guys are jobless or these guys are not serious. You know, so tell me or tell us, why is the environment important? Why is the World Environment Day a thing? And why, why should people sit up and take notice of what's going on? Okay, so, I mean, that's a really loaded question <laughs> and there are multiple dimensions to it. I think the first thing that we have to remember as human beings is that we are part of the ecosystem. We're not outside of the ecosystem. And the ecosystem is a collective network of biodiversity, which is plants, animals, the uh, geology, the water systems, the rain, sunshine, and everything works in synchrony and in synergy. And we are within that ecosystem and the ecosystem was developed and it's been proven over and over again scientifically that this network, every living organism and every biorhythm and every circadian rhythm within the ecosystem is there for a purpose. So birds um, will lay their eggs at the beginning, spring at the beginning of the rainy season because they want their chicks to hatch while there's abundant food. You know, where the rains are predictable, the, um, the climate is predictable. But when all that starts moving out of sync, then it has a tremendous impact on the biodiversity and that naturally will have an impact on us because we must remember that we're within that system that we call the ecosphere. Now, you know, human beings are intelligent and we are at the apex of the ecosystem and that's the, that's the way God made it, you know. And in fact, give us the instruction to tend the ecosystem. When he, when he created the Garden of Eden, and that essentially was the ecosystem, he said, I'm giving you authority over my creation, you know, and he created animals and birds and plants. He said, go and tend the garden. What he was referring to there was the ecosystem. And you'll find that in all religious books. And we have custodianship, but it's a responsible custodianship. It's not go and you know, uh, take advantage of the ecosystem. He says, go and tend the ecosystem. He even went further. He said, name everything, name all the animals. So, you know, it's just like you have a pet and you name a pet. You don't then go and kill the pet, you know, or, or waste the pet, you know. So the important thing for us to remember is that we are supposed to be responsible custodians of our ecosystem and our environment. So, as the apex of the ecosystem, we're at the top of the hierarchy. 
And so biotechnology is taking over, you know, and if you look at what human beings used to do 100 years ago and look at what we're doing now, you will see that biotechnology is going in leaps and bounds, you know, and we are not the civic responsibility or the moral responsibility of managing the ecosphere or the ecosystem is not moving in parallel with the advancements that we see in biotechnology. So biotechnology is moving ahead. It's creating all kinds of things. We're driving cars, we're flying airplanes, we've got industry, we're mining, but we've lost track of the fact that all these activities must be done in a manner that preserves and protects the environment, which we depend on. Very simple thing. If we kill all our bees, for example, because of poisoning the environment, then we lose almost 70% of the world's capacity to pollinate plants. And that means that our agricultural systems will collapse. Um, bees are collapsing, beehives are collapsing all over the world because of the toxicity of the environment. The pesticides we're using, poisons, the pollution, the deforestation. So the bees have nowhere to forage. There's poison in the air, there's pesticide everywhere, and they're sensitive animals or creatures, and so they're dying. The same thing goes with bats and so on, and so butterflies and all those kinds of things. Now, if they move out of the ecosystem or they're eliminated or they, they go extinct, then our entire agricultural system collapses. Now, you can imagine what that means for us as human beings. So it's important, anybody who has any smithering of observation power can tell that the climates and the seasons are totally off. The seasons are not what they used to be. We now have, instead of having constant rain, we have episodes of dramatic rainfall and then periods of dryness in between that. That's causing havoc amongst our farmers. You know, people don't know when to plant. They plant a season, they spend a lot of money. Within two weeks, it grows and then it all becomes sun-scorched. We know that the deserts are expanding. The Sahara Desert is expanding south. And if you want to put the linkage between that and conflict in terms of conflict uh, competition for resources, you can put that as a common denominator in all kinds of, of skirmishes that we're seeing around the world and climate refugees and movement of people, increased uh, competition for uh, reducing resources. So, you know, we have to look at it in an entirely large holistic picture. We as human beings, we live in this environment that we're slowly poisoning. We're putting it out of sync. We're disrupting the ecosystem and the biosystem. And therefore we ultimately going to become the victims of our own uh, development, which is accelerating without cognizance of protecting the environment. And ultimately as a doctor, uh, with an interest in biosecurity and environment. The synergies are there to be observed. It's important for us to make this publicly aware that our citizens understand the importance of the environment and the importance of reducing the impact and limiting climate change and loss of biodiversity for our own sake. Yeah, thank you. I think what is so important that you, you, you mentioned just now was having the citizens aware. You know, I actually have a friend who lives on the uh, foreshore. She lived by the water. And I and this is a highly educated friend. Uh, she went to school with me. 
and she had to move because you know the lagoon kept coming into into the compound. And so I told her about how climate change was affecting a lot, lot of people. And I said, for example, how you have been affected by climate change. She said, who, me? She said, no, I've been affected by climate change. I said, why do you think you had to move? So it's actually amazing how people are not even putting two and two together. They're not recognizing the impact. You know, when you talk about the flooding that's taking place in Lagos, a lot of people say, ah, they thought they built on the drainage canal. And they don't recognize it. They're not acknowledging it. And I think also we as individuals are not acknowledging how we have an individual impact on the environment. But there are some skeptics who say, no, you know, the world goes in cycles. You know, there was a nice age once. Now it's just another cycle taking place. We don't have anything to do with it. It's just what happens in the world. So what do you have to have to say about that? Is it us? Is it a cycle? What, I mean, how, what proof is it? How can you prove to them, those uh, you know, who are saying it's not human beings doing it, that it's just the way the world is? How can you prove that to them? Well, you see, the United Nations has a very large body, UNCCC, that is responsible for observing and collecting evidence-based data around environmental and climate disruption. The data is clear. The globe is warming up and it's in parallel with the density of greenhouse gases that we produce as human beings. The correlation is there, it's unmistakable and it's increasing, which is why all responsible governments around the world constantly meet to agree on limits of greenhouse gas production because with the amount of greenhouse gases we produce we are sort of blanketing the world and creating like a blanket that heats up the earth and once the earth starts to heat up then it disrupts the convectional currents of climate and rain the, the ice caps are melting the sea level is rising if you just go to all our beaches in lagos and around the west coast of Africa and anywhere in the world, islands are disappearing, you know, because the sea is rising, you know. Now, you know, the evidence is there, but it's also counteracted by economic interests. So there's a, a huge lobby of, 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 of uh, industrialists around the world who are trying to limit the government policies to reduce greenhouse gases because greenhouse gas production is very cheap. We have so much coal in Nigeria, for example, and around the continent. We could easily go and start digging up our coal and start using our coal to drive our industries, but it's very dirty energy. The same thing with fossil fuel. It produces a lot of greenhouse gases. And therefore, if we did that, we would be compromising further the environmental perturbations that we're seeing. So, of course, it's there's a lot of economics involved. And then these strong lobbyists put out their own version, which now confuses the general public, because you hear one person saying uh, there is intense greenhouse gas and warming of the earth. Uh, we can see it. Here's the data. The graph is showing an upward trend of warming and in parallel to the upward trend of greenhouse grass production. I mean, you can't throw this data away. It's so convincing and we're not, and we are experiencing it ourselves. Just like you said, your friend had to move away from a coastal region because the sea surge is damaging her, her property front. We've seen buildings being washed into the sea. 
it's all over the place. You know, we see massive storms, we see flooding. I mean, it never used to be like that. And so you can't throw away the evidence uh, and just listen to people who have economic interests and want to uh, push forward a different narrative. What happens at the end of the day is that the public get confused. Uh, some of them are believing the denialists because obviously as an individual, you also have to make a concerted effort to be an environmentalist and to reduce your own footprint as a human being. Uh, it's becoming obviously um, reducing your footprint can be expensive initially. So, for example, you might find now, especially with the rise in, in cost of fossil fuel, that you're now looking for a more fuel efficient vehicular um, mode of transportation because you go to the pump station now and you'll be shocked at how much it requires for you to fill up your tank. Very so shocked. all of a sudden you're looking for a car that is either a hybrid car or you're looking for uh, solar panels uh, to reduce your, your dependency on fossil fuel. You know, so it does cost money for an individual to shift from a constant way of life to one that is not only cheap on their pocket, but reduces their own individual footprint. So every human being has a contribution to environmental toxicity, whether it's a form of air pollution. You drove from your house to your office today. I don't think you walked, you drove. You, and I don't think you, you cycled either. Uh, you Before you left your home, you made breakfast. Uh, you slept in an air-conditioned room all night. So your carbon footprint is heavy. You know, and when you add everybody's carbon footprint together, it starts to make a big difference. You know, it collectively adds up to a lot. So as individuals, you can't, a government can't suddenly say, reduce your footprint. Uh, the country is going to reduce its footprint. No, the country is made up of individuals. Individuals and industry create that heavy carbon footprint. So it's expensive to change from heavy carbon footprint to light carbon footprint. It requires a capital outlay. But then after that, the dividends start to pay off for you as an individual and of course for your community and the human beings as a whole. But of course that needs to be encouraged by governments around the world. It needs to be encouraged by our, the United Nations the people. And that information needs to be constantly out there. Like what you're doing right now is so important. People need to understand the linkages between what they do on a daily basis and what impact that has on the environment and the consequences of that impact on the environment back on you and your neighbors and your society and your community. So it's a vicious circle. And we need to convert that vicious circle into a virtuous circle where we are understanding the connections, we're joining the dots, and we're collectively making an effort to reduce our footprint and be gentle on the environment for our own sake. Because we will cease to exist as human beings in another 50 or 100 years if we carry on on this trajectory. Because you can sometimes you watch these movies about doomsday and apocalypse and all these things and you see you know the sky looks black you know but there are many cities in the world where the sky does look back black and you don't see the sun you know uh, many uh, heavy industrial cities around the world
It's not a fantasy, it's a reality, you know, and the whole world can become like that. If you look at what happened during COVID, all of a sudden, the skies were blue. You know, we could see the stars in the night, you know, the, there was no pollution because there was lockdown, you know, people stopped moving around and all over the world, people were observing that the rivers were cleaner, the skies were cleaner, everything was much fresher. And that's because we were forced to slow down our industrial activity for a period of time. Yes, and that's where we need to get back there. But yes, we do. Yes, Thank we you do. Very much. Start your day the right way by taking charge of your physical and mental fitness. It's important to know your numbers. They determine if your blood pressure is high or low, your cholesterol balance, even your blood sugar level, heart rate, and much more. Get tested by visiting your doctor, clinic, or stop by at any health center closest to you. Take control today. This message is from Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. You're listening to Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. Thank you, Prof. I think that you know, has really, I think, sort of in a nutshell, explained to people quite simply what is going on. But, you know, there are still the people who, for example, in Nigeria, say, you know, we as a Nigeria, we, we really don't owe people that, um, you know, we don't owe that. It's the industrialized world that have actually created this problem. It's the industrialized world. They're the ones with the carbon footprint. Why are they telling us as Nigerians to reduce our own carbon footprint? After all, they've developed their own country on all these fossil fuels. Now we want to develop our country. They're saying, don't use your oil. Don't use your gas. It's a conspiracy. They're trying to do us in. They're trying to get us down. What do you have to say to that? This is a major, major issue at all the um, COP meetings, the COP meetings, which are the the climate meetings that happen every year. And it's a constant battle between the developing and the developed world you know so you have the underdeveloped the developing and the developed world and there's a very large divide in terms of policy and attitude between those two groups yes what you've said is absolutely right the industrial uh, the industrial um, revolution which has had four seasons so far has gone back 300 years where you know they used very cheap resources from the earth coal and fossil fuel and wood to drive economies and they built huge industrial industrialization economies based on cheap energy a lot of which was brought from the developing parts of the world and you know now you realize oops you know we've poisoned the earth you know the earth the globe is warming up you know we now need to change our strategies and cut down and stop using uh, uh, what they call dirty fossil fuels which are coal and and gas and 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 uh, you know petroleum or crude oil and its products and we're now talking about renewable energy but re- as i said earlier you know fossil fuel is easy to access it's cheap it's there but it's dirty. Renewable energy is clean, but it's expensive initially. And so the policy that everybody needs to cut down. So we're talking about climate change activists or the climate change community talk about mitigation and adaptation. And that often confuses everybody because nobody really understands these big words. Uh, mitigation basically means 
how do you mitigate the problem? In other words, how do you stop this problem from continuing? And that means cutting down fossil fuels. So one half of the battle is to get um, countries and people to re reduce their carbon emission or their greenhouse gas emission. That you can only do by transitioning from fossil fuels uh, to renewable clean energy. That requires technology, it's capital intensive. Then we have the adaptation. So we are where we are. Climate is disrupted. We have storms, we've got sea surge, we've got flooding, we've got uh, um, climate refugees, we've got uh, uh, disappearing islands, we've got disappearing coastal cities, we've got disruption of, of livelihood, we've got death, sickness, you know, from pollution. How do we adapt to this environment that we find ourselves in? So uh, many, many communities are looking at adaptation you know do you need to build stronger houses do you need to plant different crops do you need to make sure that people have access to immunization and to have access to medical care close to where they live do you have emergency operations that can respond when there is a flood or a hurricane or a you know um, sea surge so mitigation and adaptation are two different things Everybody needs to do both. But for us in the developing part of the world, our problem is not really about how much carbon we put into the atmosphere because the developed world are putting tons, tons more than and have been doing so for centuries. You know, So it becomes very unfair that they have used clean and cheap energy to develop themselves. And now you're putting limitations on us as a developing world who have all these resources at our disposal and say, no, you can't drive your industry, you can't drive your development, you can't drive your economy on cheap energy. So that's why they've set up these compensation bodies or what we call the Green Climate Fund, which the developing world are supposed to put resources into um, these green climate funds, which now help the developing world to compensate and use those funds to drive a cleaner energy and industrial uh, revolution but you know no. there's always yeah. there's always imbalances there's there's yeah. never a fair deal unless you have a very strong voice you won't be able to overcome these unfair deals because they have the upper hand and we are obviously you know um, uh, subject to these uh, policies but we've got to fight and uh, we've got to be able to convince uh, people that you know, there is an opportunity cost. You can't say don't develop on cheap energy. You then have to create the opportunity for us to to fund clean energy and to support the developing world to not burn uh, so much um, uh, uh, greenhouse gases. Well, I think, thank you so much. Now, unbelievably, our time is actually up. We have people listening and people are saying, tell me one, two or three things that I can I can do in my little way to change this trajectory? How can I as an individual help? Can you give us just a few things that people listening can do to make a difference? Well, very simple things. Just become conscious of your environment, how much water you use, how much electricity you use, switch off your lights. If you don't need an air conditioning blasting downstairs in your sitting room, nobody's there, go and switch it off. Um, design your houses with um, solar 
uh, electricity and solar hot water so you don't have there are two different systems you can use both waste is important plastic is terrible for the environment you know use anything you can or if you have if you have to use plastic recycle it so that it doesn't go into the waterways and into the into the sea and and destroy the sea ecosystems um, and become an activist get to understand you know what's going on you know if you are driving a car you know think about it you know get a more fuel efficient or cost effective uh, low carbon footprint and you know just generally educate your children as well and sometimes even the children are learning these things in school and coming home and educating their parents one of my daughters every time i'm at the sink you know brushing my teeth or or you know getting ready in the morning and my tap is on she switches it off you know and i said why are you switching off my tap she said daddy you must conserve water there's water shortage in the world you know so it's important that we get these messages into the schools as well and i'm very happy and proud when i see you know children in primary school and even kindergarten becoming conscious of the environment you know that's really the only way to go the next generation is our hope thank you so much and i also want to say on behalf of the dawn project because the dawn project has its um competition on it's been extended to the 31st of july you can go to dawn project um.org to join that competition about the environment for all ages and also plant a tree wherever you can plant a tree thank you very much doctors on air with dr pamela